Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. With regard to being weaker, the fact is that I've gone head to head with Putin and made it clear to him we're not going to take any of his stuff. That was Joe Biden in 2000. No, I'm sorry, 2020. That was just two years ago. That was Joe Biden in 2020. Two years later, Russia has invaded Ukraine. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833-GOT-TONY, that is the number. 833-468-8669. We should be clear about what it is we're saying here. Russia has invaded Ukraine. Right now, Putin is calling on Ukraine to demilitarize. Meanwhile, Joe Biden is scheduled to address the nation. He's changed the time on this a little bit, so keep it right here because we're going to bring it to you live and in full. We've actually been working on a bunch of scheduling things. Make sure we bring you everybody uh, who's got comments on what's going on. There are two areas of Ukraine which Putin now says are separate provinces that have decided to go about getting their independence. This would be Luhansk and Donetsk. Donetsk, D-O-N-E-T-S-K, Luhansk, L-U-H-A-N-S-K. He is referring to them as the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk People's Republic. And he has decided that they are independent and sovereign, but just to help out, he sent in peacekeepers, did Vladimir Putin. Translation, he took two areas of the Donbass region without firing a shot. It is an invasion. And Ukraine is fully aware of this. This was Vladimir Putin just yesterday speaking on Russian television. Once again, I would like to underscore that Ukraine is not just a neighbor, neighboring country to us. It is an inherent part of our own history, culture, spiritual space. They are our comrades, relatives, not only colleagues, friends, but also our family, people we have blood and family ties with. Since ancient times, people from ancient southwestern Russian lands were called themselves, were calling themselves Russians and Orthodox. Hold on a second. He's doing two things here. First, this has always been part of our our land. As a matter of fact, the people, uh, they've been calling uh, for it. And secondly, well, you know, if you go back in history, this is Russian land. That is not true. There is no doubt that if we're going to engage a conversation in the Soviet Union, you can have that conversation. But if you were to actually go back in history... Kiev has a history that has nothing to do, per se, with, 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 with Russia. He's rewriting history while he is going about proving his case, supposedly, ostensibly, that the land is his anyway or is Russia's anyway. And after all, reunifying it is just what the Russian people want and the Ukrainian people want, but it isn't what the Ukrainian people want. That seems very obvious. What is also obvious is that there's no other way to look at this. This is invasion. Beginning to end. 
And while we don't know how the Biden administration is going to view it, we know that this is how the Ukrainians view it and it's how you would view it. It is absolutely how you would view it. You would view it as invasion. Producer, I don't know if you heard him. He's like the White House uh, released an invasion statement. I will read that to you. That doesn't mean that the administration is whole on board because as of yet, they have not gone about the full level of sanctions. The full level of sanctions is what the Ukrainians have been begging for. Lay out the sanctions. Let Russia know what will happen to them if they do this so it will stop them. Actual deterrence. That is not what the Biden administration has done. They've done some piecemeal sanctions after this invasion. Meaning, Joe Biden never lied. Just the tip. Minor incursion. That was He was fine with it. Sure enough, he was actually fine with it. And that's what we have. As for how the Ukrainians see it. I think you can be sure that the Zelensky government believes that this is an invasion. I think whatever words you use, the debate over what words to use will be watched by the Kremlin and they'll see that as cracks in the alliance, in the Western alliance. I think there's another thing to reflect on too, and it's pretty stunning, frankly, which is that if President Putin had done this, had sent openly uh, Russian troops into this area of eastern Ukraine, I don't know, just a year ago, a few years ago, there would have been complete outrage. And now we're looking at debates over what levels of sanctions there should be. Now, I'm not suggesting which kinds of sanctions there should be, what action the West should take. I actually think the West has very, very few options. One example of why that is, is that no one really did anything about Germany's dependence on Russian gas. Now that's a whole story. And this was done on MSNBC. It's one of the most honest assessments I've ever heard. Of course the Ukrainians see it as invasion. The White House is now calling... What happened in Ukraine, an invasion, saying the swift and severe sanctions promised by the U.S. are on the way. Based on what they've done already, we don't know that to be true. We don't know if that's the facts. We don't know if they're going to be swift sanctions or yet whether or not they're going to be strong sanctions or whether or not they're going to do anything. The news is moving fast and we are covering every bit of it. But what is clear is that what the Biden administration thought was deterrence, the Russians thought of as nothing. Had no problem lying, had no problem with subterfuge, had no problem amassing the troops, and had no problem going in. And you could say to me, Tony, that isn't our concern. Well, I don't know if it's not our concern. Does it mean we should have sent troops? Well, of course not. But it does mean, without question, it does mean that the idea of being sanctioned by America simply didn't matter. It wasn't scary. Let's break down the geopolitical. Let's break down what this means to Biden, to the Europeans, to specifically the Germans, as it got brought up, and to Ukraine. We've got it all coming up. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Counts.
So let's take a 30,000-foot look at what we're dealing with. And I want to be clear about a couple things, if I may. Tony Katz, 93 WIBC. First, I love you, Boo Bear. You know, you know I'm talking to you. No, 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 don't look around. I'm talking right at you. It's you and me, boo. That's it. Secondly, I'm fully aware there are many other things going on uh, around the globe. I'm, I'm prepared uh, to head out to CPAC, the Conservative Political Action Conference. I'll be heading out uh, tomorrow. We'll be broadcasting live Thursday and Friday, courtesy of Relay Indiana. Absolutely love them and appreciate them helping us uh, get that done. There are many other issues, whether it be DEI issues or the border issues or or inflation issues. You've got the Fed saying they're going to raise interest rates a half a point in March. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you that's soft. But we have an invasion. You can't deny what's going on. Let us take a step back and understand all the ramifications. Talking right now with Noah Rothman. He joins us from Commentary Magazine. Noah C. Rothman on the Twitter box is where you you find him. We continue these conversations about what is going on. And uh, the White House seems hours late putting out a statement saying uh, that it was Russia's invasion in Ukraine. is this the minor incursion that Joe Biden told us was acceptable? Yeah, so he kind of backtracked. <laughs> that was probably a, an admission against interest, but nevertheless one that was reflective of his thinking. And he subsequently walked it back. But in the hours that passed after uh, you, uh, Russia in, did invade Ukraine, invaded Ukraine's internationally recognized sovereign borders and the territories that are occupied by Russian proxies, um, Senior American officials, unnamed, started saying, well, the window for diplomacy is still open until the tanks roll, as the tanks are literally rolling, uh, and saying, you know, uh, this is – Russia had forces there before, right, unrecognized, but nevertheless – just an overt, uh, ex, you know, expansion of their footprint in this territory. Is it really the escalation we were looking for? I think that that's being rolled back as we speak. Um, but it was a weird blink in the face of this threat. It legitimizes the Russian view that you can change the facts on the ground by force, and de facto they are legitimate. Uh, and it demonstrates an unwillingness to confront Russia on the terms that it has set for this confrontation, uh, which is an inauspicious way to begin after a really tumultuous and terrifying weekend. So let's understand what has taken place here. And first, let's go to an idea of history, uh, because it was Vladimir Putin who put out a statement as he's speaking there from his office, which looks very 1970s to me, uh, and and discussing the idea that this is what actually the Ukrainian people want. And as you know, there's a long history between Russia and Ukraine. As a matter of fact, Ukraine uh, was was part of Russia for, for many, many years uh, before we, we ever split apart. It's only natural that we return together. What is the history of Ukraine and Russia? And is Vladimir Putin, as I see it, trying to rewrite that history? Yeah, well, first of all, we should say at the outset that it's wholly irrelevant, entirely irrelevant. The origins of the Kievan Rus in the 7th century and the Russian conquest of the Black Sea coasts from the Ottoman Empire in the 17th century. I mean, this is a bizarre peroration that we were treated to by a person who I'm not sure has a rational comprehension of the current state of affairs. I mean, it does, it's utterly irrelevant, the historical background here. When we're talking about the internationally recognized sovereign borders of an independent state that has been an independent state for 30 years, it's just not part of the conversation. And when it dovetails with the fact that over the course of this weekend, 
uh, Moscow didn't just move on Ukraine, but transformed Belarus into a satrap. They announced summarily that this country would be permanently hosting Russian troops, a country that has no independent foreign policy, no independent domestic policy, and is wholly, the regime is wholly dependent on Russia to maintain it after 2020 in a demonstration of profound unrest in, in uh, Minsk in response to an illegitimate election victory by Alexander Lukashenko. This country has been folded into the Russian mandate. It is gone. And, re- and Ukraine uh, is apparently next, according to what Vladimir Putin said in that very long, meandering speech about how the Soviet Union created this country, giving no mention to the fact that the country actually bid for independence in 1919 and was denied it, and that's why they created a Soviet state. It doesn't even matter. It's irrelevant. He said, essentially, that Ukraine has no sovereign right to exist. This is the most profound direct threat to the American-led European order since the end of World War II, forget the Cold War, since 1945. Talking to Noah Rothman of Commentary Magazine, Noah C. Rothman on Twitter. I bring it up, and I actually do believe it has some importance because it shows many people, maybe for the first time, who are not studiers like you are, Noah, the lengths to which Putin will go, the lies uh, that that Putin will, will tell in order to try and convince some people, including the useful idiots out there, uh, to join his cause, be sympathetic to his cause, to rally to his cause, or to engage some level of apologism uh, for his cause. In terms of what we're seeing right now, I don't disagree with you. There is no part of me disagreeing with you on that in terms of this invasion. Here we are. You have uh, them saying that these two areas that are in, in Russia, uh, these, these I'm sorry, in Ukraine, uh, Luhansk and Donetsk are now independent regions, the Donetsk People's Republic, the Luhansk People's Republic, and he had to put troops in to keep the peace. This is, of course, a lie. This is, of course, invasion. And what we're seeing is Ukraine look to the rest of the world, look to Europe and look to the United States and say, we told you this was coming. Do we get any help at all? Here's the question. Do they get any help at all? That is the question. Um, <clears throat> well, they've been provided with uh, some defensive lethal aid uh, up to this event. And uh, the question now is how the West responds with sanctions. And as we talked about at the very beginning of this segment, um, there's been some trepidation about responding in a forceful way, in a calculated way, and an immediate way. I mean, we've been talking about this now for 12 straight weeks. The fact that we didn't have a suite of sanctions ready to go on minute one is pretty discouraging and likely encourages Russia to act further. And I well, let me let me jump in real quick. And I never like to interrupt you. And I apologize, Noah. But we, we saw the Biden administration via Jen Psaki say that they would be implementing some sanctions, but they admitted they weren't the big package of sanctions that Ukrainian yeah. President Zelensky has been begging to hear about. So if we have sanctions for the incursion, and now we've got sanctions for the invasion. But I thought the sanctions were to stop the invasion. This goes to show that the Biden administration does not have a stick that the Russians are afraid of. Well, if we were going to deter uh, an invasion via economic warfare, we would have moved before Russian tanks were on the move. Um, And and it does make sense in a certain way to have a calibrated, staged series of escalatory sanctions. Um, But I haven't seen anything that suggests the White House and the West generally is interested in imposing the sort of thing that would actually have real uh, consequences for the Russian public and could destabilize the Russian regime, which are twofold. One, the expulsion of Russia from the SWIFT international payment system, rendering them a, a complete economic pariah and making economic life on individual Russians very, very difficult. 
And the second is the energy sector. Anything that makes, uh, you know, sanctions that make it harder for Russians to buy clothes or electronics or make food more expensive, that's not going to destabilize this regime. Um, The energy sector would and Russia would retaliate. And it would be extremely painful for the West, extremely painful. It would probably force American inflation rates above 10 percent. It would really uh, hurt Russians and make Russia, uh, Europeans and make them inc- be inclined to blink. So it would be a full-time diplomatic job just to keep Europe on board. But I don't see any other way to get Moscow to back down from essentially absorbing the whole of this country back into the Russian sphere by force. Uh, in a way that is very dangerous, because we're talking about going right up to NATO's borders, potentially, in a way that could destabilize those countries, make them very anxious, make everybody very trigger happy, and accidentally push a button that they regret to have pushed, resulting in a series of escalating retaliatory responses. That's how big wars start. And that's why we want to stop it right now. Yet, to stop it right now is going to involve, well, two steps, the economic and more shows of force, at least, uh, within Europe. And while Germany is now discussing uh, putting an end to Nord Stream 2, that that came out earlier today, what's the show of force? I mean, describe it. What's the show of force that makes the Russians say, okay, this was enough? (laughs) Just kidding. Well, there will be no show of force, per se. And we're talking about retaliatory responses uh, via economic and and diplomatic sanctions. Nobody's talking about a military response here. That should be completely off the table. Anybody who brings that up is trying to argue a straw man. Leave that on on the sidelines for now. Um, Insofar as it's, if you can even envision it, uh, the the suite of sanctions, the regime of of sanctions that would target uh, the uh, Russian energy sector, that would target uh, the oligarchs, Putin's uh, very close associates, Putin's family himself, um, cancel student visas, uh, re- reduce the, the capacity of, of uh, Russia to retain uh, its intelligence, for example, uh, make it very easy for Russians to, to uh, remove themselves from the country, give you know, special visas to technical people with technical acumen, that sort of thing. A very broad suite of sanctions that would make life inside Russia very difficult and much easier for dissidents to get out. Um, that sort of, and, and actually make it very expensive to live in Russia. Uh, in the ex- to the extent you can see any of that working, it wouldn't work tonight. It would work over a long period of time. Eventually, you get Moscow to cry uncle because we can sustain that longer than they can. But it involves the absorption of pain. We would have to suffer as a result of our commitment to preserving the geopolitical order on the continent that has served us and the world very well. Until we're that willing, we're going to experience something pretty pretty terrifying in Europe. Noah Rothman, Commentary Magazine. Noah C. Rothman on Twitter. I appreciate you. Congressman Jim Banks from the Indiana 3rd on the Armed Forces Committee scheduled up next. What is the look at the situation from Capitol Hill? Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. You know, just to go back to the Trump years, because you you had difficulties there. Well, why not? Well, why not is because that's when Ukraine became so politicized as part of an impeachment. That's exactly right. And as part of decisions and conversations, there was one call in particular, the so-called perfect call that Trump had with, you know, Zelensky, which... You know, certainly telegraphed to the Kremlin that they could do what they wanted with Ukraine. Did America would not stand up? 
Well, I think uh, uh, Putin was undoubtedly waiting for a second Trump term, but uh, he's getting effectively almost what he would have expected then. This is going to be a victory for Russia. That is Andrea Mitchell on MSNBC speaking to former National Security Advisor, former Ambassador John Bolton, and taking a look at the situation in Ukraine with Russia's invasion and saying it's Trump's fault. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. Congressman Jim Banks joins us right now from the Indiana 3rd District. He serves on the House Committee on Armed Services. He also heads up the Republican Study Committee. And, sir, uh, before we get into uh, what you're seeing on the ground, you're a man who has served in the military. You have an understanding of the situation. MSNBC, less than 12 hours after an invasion from Russia, has determined it's President Trump's fault. It is, is this the kind of coverage we're going to be expecting over the next days and possibly weeks? What else would you expect uh, from MSNBC and the and the characters that you just mentioned? I, I just got back, Tony, from the Munich Security Conference. I actually saw Andrea Mitchell there while, while I was there. So she heard many of the same speeches that I did. I sat through a number of uh, what we call bilateral meetings. Lindsey Graham took me with him. So it was a, it was a bipartisan group of senators and House reps. We met with foreign leaders from a dozen different countries. And Andrea Mitchell knows just as well as I do from all of those meetings and speeches that the Afghanistan debacle last summer by the Biden administration is a black cloud that hangs over America's heads, but that both our adversaries see uh, as a huge embarrassment to the United States of America, but also our allies now now uh, mis- distrust the United States of America, too. So, uh, that, that's, a, that's the big takeaway that I found from over the weekend. Why is it relevant to Ukraine uh, or to the whole geopolitical picture? It's that America doesn't view us in the same way that it did when Donald Trump was in the White House. When Donald Trump deterred Russian aggression for four years, they see the weakness uh, of Joe Biden on a daily basis on the world stage And that's why they're striking now. That's why they didn't strike when Donald Trump was in the White House, because they feared how he might react. They do not fear Joe Biden. I can appreciate that they don't fear Joe Biden. I can appreciate that they think that that Joe Biden is a pushover. And of course, what they saw in Afghanistan with that withdrawal, with that unwillingness to um, protect uh, uh, allies uh, as as a great opportunity, just like China may very well have with Taiwan. Talking to Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, serves on the House Armed Services uh, Committee. Uh, there is no other way to see this, sir. This is invasion from Russia, correct? Uh, that's right. There's no, there's no doubt about that at this point. Uh, Putin has been playing uh, a three-dimensional chess with Joe Biden, and he had Biden figured out on January 20th of 2021 when Biden was inaugurated into office. He knew what he was going to get with Biden. And that that's why he's made each of these moves in precisely the way that he has. Uh, he declared two uh, large parts of Ukraine as, as independent of the country of Ukraine. He declared peacekeeping missions. He's sending in his troops to achieve that. It's much in the same way, although in a larger scale, what we saw in 2014 when, when Russia took over Crimea, uh, it's all playing out again uh, in, in, a, in a larger way, but in a very similar way. 
we see that they've taken these two areas that they've decided are these independent regions. Now the Donetsk People's Republic and the Luhansk uh, People's Republic. Uh, These, of course, are not independent regions. It's just that Russia decided to name them such and then send in troops as a way of keeping the peace. Then there was, and I want you to hear this, this was Senator Bob Menendez of New Jersey, a Democrat, being asked a question by uh, uh, John King over there on CNN. Do you think they should just put the whole package on him now? That you say you have crossed the line, it's not an issue of just the separatist areas, you're done, big package or hold something? Well, I think you should use uh, the overwhelming amounts of it now. You may reserve something like what I call the mother of all sanctions, uh, unplugging Russia from the SWIFT, the financial system. Uh, you know, but uh, at the end of the day, when is it that we're going to be clear to Putin that there are severe consequences for what you do when he takes the bite after this bite? I mean, we've even forgotten that for the most part, he's overtaken uh, Belarus already. Now, the Belarus conversation is, is a big one, but there are two things here. What are the sanctions that are being considered? Has Congress been consulted on uh, those sanctions? And how is it possible that there is no discussion that Russia-leaning Belarus has now uh, said, well, Russia has said, we've got a, a military force in Belarus for forever, which is basically a takeover without firing a shot? Yeah, the Biden is going, President Biden is going to speak uh, supposedly at 1 o'clock uh, Tony, so probably, you know, supposedly in 20 minutes, he's going to go before the cameras and talk about his next set of actions. Uh, ye- uh, yesterday, the day before, he signed an executive order. I can tell you the executive order included nothing of substance. He didn't do anything. In the meantime, Germany announced that they're they're pausing certification of Nord Stream 2, which that that's good. I'm glad Germany is finally stepping up to the plate. However, it's important to note that there was already a pause on the certification until the summer of the completion of Nord, Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So what is Joe Biden going to say in 20 minutes? I, I don't know. So far, it's, uh, even Bob Benendez seems to understand that everything that comes out of Joe Biden's mouth has been talk. Uh, there's been nothing to back up uh, any of his rhetoric or talk to this point. So he, he has a chance to do something of significance or substance here in 20 minutes. I'm not holding my breath. But um, there's still a chance to do that. But let me let me make one uh, a final uh, point about my weekend at the Munich Security Conference. Uh, Zelensky, the, the the president of Ukraine, flew to Munich and spoke to us uh, in the afternoon on Saturday, and he made a very uh, a very important point. I mean, the reason that he flew there to begin with, leaving his country at a perilous time, was to speak uh, to the Western world, especially the United States of America, to to, to say to give this message to say. If you wait to sanction uh, Putin after he invades, then it's too late. But if you sanction now and hold him accountable for his actions as he's uh, pursuing the invasion, that's when it counts. And Zelensky was absolutely right in what he was saying. He was, it, 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 as this has played out over the last 24 hours, Zelensky knew full and well that if you get to this point, it's too late. Uh, it's already happened, and and that's what I that's where I fear we're at. At this point, there's still more. There's still what Joe Biden should do uh, is copy the language of the Putin Accountability Act, a bill that I entered. I'm the head sponsor of with members of the, of the Republican Study Committee. We introduced it uh, several weeks ago that that, uh, as Menendez said, it kicks Russia out of the swift banking system. 
It restores the Trump sanctions on Nord Stream 2 pipeline. I mean, that that's that's what matters. It designates Russia as a state sponsor of terrorism for their cooperation with the Taliban and Hezbollah. And uh, and it uh, sanctions Russia's sovereign debt. It hits Putin where it counts, where it hurts. That's what that's what Biden should should be doing so far. None of his actions have come close to, to taking any of those severe and substantive substantive actions against Russia. Has the Biden administration reached out to Congress to ask their thoughts about sanctions? No. Uh, as far as I can speak to, Congress is is out of session. I mean, Mitch McConnell is reacting to all of this from Kentucky. Uh, Kevin McCarthy is on a on a trip to Israel with the freshman class. I, I haven't spoken with either of those leaders or heard anything public from them about whether or not they've been consulted, but it doesn't appear that that's been the case. And maybe that's why Joe Biden waited until Congress was out of town to begin with. Now let's move into where does the United States play in this? We know we've got forces in Poland. They're going to be dealing with those refugees who come streaming across the border. There's already been uh, the conversation from the Biden White House that we will not see American troops in Ukraine. Has there been any conversation that either one of those things changes? Is Joe Biden, based on what you know, going to come to the American people and say, we have an invasion and now we have to help our friend who isn't even a NATO ally? There is no Article 5 from a, a NATO treaty to invoke here. Uh, are we? Is there any conversation anywhere about U.S. troops on the ground in Ukraine? Yeah, it's just it's unthinkable to me, Tony, that we would be even having that conversation when all of this is avoidable, the, the the swift actions that the Biden administration can take and all of the ways that I just described a moment ago, would I guarantee you, I would I guarantee you 100% would deter uh, any type of conflict that would lead to sending our men and women into harm's way. It's just as simple as that. It's unthinkable that we would be talking about that when the Biden administration could be doing so much to prevent it. But those things that they could do to prevent it would be the sanctions that we haven't heard of. We might hear about uh, today. But what does that do about these two areas that we're talking about already, Donetsk and Luhansk, which are uh, in, in that Donbass area uh, that already uh, feel a little bit more uh, just just understandably, uh, I guess, ethnically Russian, although they don't necessarily want to be taken over. That's a conversation I can't answer. Um do they just get to keep this part of Ukraine and be like, okay, that's it? And then two years from now, they take another little bit? Is this death by a thousand cuts or takeover by a thousand cuts? Uh, if, you're, if you're Putin, you, you probably believe that you can fully get away with that. What, studying the actions of Joe Biden and the Biden administration, uh, it's also even more bothersome to think that, that Chairman Xi and the Chinese Communist Party and the, the, the PLA, they're, they're watching the situation and recognizing how terribly easy it would be for them to take over Taiwan at the same time as America bends over backwards and declines on the world stage and Russia and China are, are rising up and acting out and doing the things that they've always wanted to do because they don't fear any co- American consequence of substance or significance like the ones I described before. So if you're Putin, you probably you, you obviously recognize that. And that that's why we're seeing them move toward this uh, this long held goal of uh, of the Russians um, I, I fear that this has consequences down down the road with other adversaries like China as well. Congressman Jim Banks of the Indiana 3rd District, I appreciate you taking the time to be with us, sir. We will uh, stay in touch with you as things unfold. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz.
So as we discussed earlier, interest rates are going up. You take a look at what the Fed is saying, what they're signaling. They're signaling a half a point, and we will see it in March. Meanwhile, the Dow is down 435. The Nasdaq is down 189. This is not unexpected. This is what you get when you have war. Now, you heard, uh, and and we're going to be getting into Biden. So President Biden is supposed to uh, speak in, in just a little bit. Our plan is to carry it in full. We'll then break it down uh, from there. Uh, what What is he going to say? This concept of will there be more sanctions? Part of the reason we had Congressman Banks, Noah Rothman, we're scheduled to have Senator Todd Young with us a little bit uh, later. Trying to hit every side of this. Trying to hit all the pieces of the puzzle. Sometimes I think that there is a lot to cover because, well, there's a lot to understand and, and this isn't our part of the world. We We, we live our lives. But it's much easier to understand what is going on when you realize that gas prices can go up and you realize that this can build on inflation fears and worries. You want people to understand the story of Russia and Ukraine? Watch the numbers. Watch how the market goes. Watch how people's retirements go. Watch how the price of gas goes. Watch how inflation builds. People will start understanding very quickly exactly what happens when you have strong leadership and you have weak leadership. And remember, while this weak leadership engages weak leadership here in the United States, we will all be told at least we don't get any more mean tweets. They will still talk about things like diversity. Can we give up the ghost for just a moment on what is important and what isn't important? Can we give up the idea that somehow the political left, the progressive left, has a concept as to what actually builds a country and creates strength? Now, I agree that we should not send a single troop into Ukraine, not a one. But tell me now how the world is better off with American weakness. The people who have apologized for America's strength, who have talked down America's strength, who have attacked America's strength, who have been unwilling to show America's strength, tell me now how we are better. Because we have DEI officers in schools teaching hate? Well, of course it is. DEI is the inculcation of, of, of hate. It's building on the idea of hate. It seems like the DEI officer's job is to remind the parent that they don't have a say. Like, that's the DEI officers are nothing more than bouncers at the club. That's certainly what it looks like. Tell me how much better off we are with hashtag Oscar so white. Tell me how much better off we are with cancel culture. Tell me how much better off we are because we can say a boy is a girl and can swim against girls uh, in, in college athletics. Tell me how much better off we are for a host of the social insanities that permeate the society.
as opposed to asking ourselves, where are we strong? What is strength? And what does that matter to the world order and to the world stage? Because here you go. When America is not on top, somebody else is. How does that work out better for anyone? And the answer is it doesn't. Does it mean that in every situation you can stop the bad guy from doing bad things? No. Does it mean you have your best shot? Yes. So Russia has invaded Ukraine. Interest rates will go up this half percent and will see at least a percent and a half rise over this year. That is that is my call. Or I mean, I might as well call it 2%. I think I called it 2% last time. Uh, I'm going to say percent and a half. I'll be wrong. When Joe Biden speaks, we'll have it for you. But ask yourself, did this election really mean nothing? Are you really not affected? You are affected. And you have the power to change it. President Biden speaking on the invasion of Ukraine by Russia coming up next. I'm Tony Katz.